You know, I, I can't help to, to just think about how much I love worshiping God with you all. It's just a special. You know, when I look at that choir, aren't we happy and glad, joyful to have them back singing uh, with us and for us? It's just uh, grateful. And you, some of you saw that there were still some seats that were empty in the choir loft. If you can sing, talk to Troy, right? And you don't have to be an opera singer or anything like that. Just say, I want to praise God that way and, and talk to him uh, about that. It truly is good. I, I often say to people, the only thing that is wrong about uh, Sundays uh, and worship is that they only come once a week. Yes? That's, that's the thing. I want you to turn to Second Timothy. I want to talk to us this morning uh, about wholeheartedness, as you see in your worship guide. Uh, what, what we see uh, here uh, is uh, something that is speaking in a way, at least uh, the way it's speaking, uh, in a way that, that fits who we are today. We are uh, in a generation that is increasingly visually oriented. That means to a greater or lesser degree, we're used to getting our experiences and our understanding and the way we put life together kind of through our eyes. You know, we see pictures, many pictures, quick pictures, fast-moving pictures, and all of them uh, kind of put up a little bit of an image of something that relates to the whole, yes? And we have become trained now in a way, whether we watch television or we are on YouTube or we are streaming or we watch movies or we are part of the three billion people group of gamers or, you know, we do computer uh, animations or whatever it might be. We have gotten used to being visually oriented. And so many things uh, are kind of put together in our minds that way. And we think of that as something new, but Paul knew the power of that. And so the text that we're going to read together today is just that. They're word pictures, but they are pictures that, that create and conjure up images in our minds. Not that the images themselves are necessarily as important as what they illustrate. And they individually show different facets of what it means to live wholeheartedly before God. So um, all these three uh, images or pictures, if you will, are about wholeheartedness. Let's read from chapter 2 in the second letter Paul wrote to Timothy, the last letter we have from his hand, and we'll begin in verse 3. It goes like this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets engaged or entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes in an, as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. You know, at, at first look, that can easily be misunderstood. This is a text that in a very strong way speaks to what Lent is all about. These last 40 days before we celebrate Easter, this time of turning to God 
in a special way. But as we read them, it can almost see, seem as a way to kind of, uh, of, of showing if I just do enough, God will show me favor. If I'm focused enough, God will show me favor. But, but that's not the point at all. And notice here, it follows right after Paul's statement, just the verse up that says, my child be strong in the grace. And we talked about that a little while back. And then comes this. And so it is as if Paul is saying, you know, I'm not talking about how to get saved right now. I'm talking about how to live as a Christian with that clear, wholehearted focus. I don't know if, if, uh, if this works as an illustration, but, but I'll try. You know, I, I don't do nice things to my wife in order for her to marry me. She already did. I don't even do nice things to my wife for her to love me. I trust she already does. And I certainly love her. I do nice things to express my gratitude for the reality that she loves me, to express my own desire to show her my love. Yes? That's how it works. That's getting things right also in your relationship to God. We, we don't do these things and are not called to this kind of wholeheartedness in order to earn anything from God. That would be completely wrong the same way uh, that would nullify anything and all things and make it all meaningless if my expressions of love to my spouse was just to gain something or to earn something. This is about wholeheartedness. I read an article a little while back. It was technical. It was academic. So it was long and windy and all that. But the long and the short of the article was this. It says the antidote to stress and burnout was not rest, but wholehearted commitment to purpose. Think about this for just a moment. The antidote to stress and, and, and burnout is, is not rest, but commitment to wholeheartedness. I mean, wholehearted commitment to purpose that you engage yourself, involve yourself in, in ways and in things that, that just consumes you as being of utmost importance. So this talks to us concretely. And specifically about wholehearted surrender to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. But this teaching that Paul is giving us here, and I'm asking you already now, don't get lost in the details of the illustrations because they are just that, a picture, an illustration of what it means to follow Christ. Paul's teaching here, though, is so principal, so foundational that it counts for everything. That's in fact what he is, what he's doing. He's wrapping this whole thing first with the statement that be strong in the grace that comes from Jesus. And then he ends the whole thing. Verse seven, consider what I say. Just giving us these three pictures. And he said, consider what I say for the Lord will give you understanding. What? In everything. This relates to all 
of life. So, let's look at these pictures fast as they come, one by one, da da da, like, just like that, as illustrative of wholehearted commitment. The first image he gives us is a picture, if you will, is of, of, uh, of a soldier. Someone who is deployed, that is someone who is active in service. And what he's saying here is that there's certain things, certain priorities that a soldier will have to understand if he is to be or she is to be active in any way uh, as just that, a deployed soldier. You know, one of the uh, contemporaries to Paul, um, Seneca, uh, who was a Probably the best known Roman historian of that time and also philosopher. Uh, he said it like this. He says, to live or life itself, if you want to translate it that way, life itself is to be a soldier. And someone who is a soldier from that person, it is required a full hearted effort. That's there. When someone uh, like that, a soldier stands before the enemy, and is ready to go to battle, it doesn't work if they say, by the way, someone read my ad on eBay. I got to go home and fix that. Or someone uh, know, you know, is coming to my store. I got to go home and just deal with that. Then I'll come back. It doesn't work like that. Once you have said yes to being a soldier, you're switched out. Your priorities. There's a new focus on what matters. There's a yes, if you will, to being willing to concentrate on this one thing, and that is to conquer the enemy. And again, remember, Paul is not talking about soldiers. He's using that as an illustration for what it means to walk in wholeness before Christ. No one will question that if a soldier is there ready for battle, there needs, to be, there needs to be a concentration, a willingness to focus life and limb on winning this. And so, Paul says, that image applies directly to our walk with Jesus. When we follow Christ and we face the enemies that comes after us when that's the reality. Our focus needs to change and to fulfill that only desire we have, and that is to be more like Jesus. You know, Tertullian, some of you may not know him, and I don't uh, think that many of you might uh, do that, but he is one of the best-known uh, church fathers. She was born about 120 years or so uh, after Christ's resurrection, uh, about, you know, 100 years or so after uh, Paul's death. And he says it like this, and I'm quoting, he says, no soldier goes to war surrounded by luxury. Neither does he step out into the battlefield from a comfortable bedroom, but from a temporary narrow tent with a hard floor and other inconveniences, unquote. There's a conscious, a decisive 
priority that had become foremost in his mind. For, as Paul says it, his desire is to gain or to please his commanding officer. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be wholehearted when you think about it for a moment? It means that there are certain things that you choose not to do. And there are other things that you choose to do. If you will or desire or want to give a wholehearted effort, that's just how it works. No one can be wholehearted in all aspects. In fact, Jesus says that himself. He said, no one can serve two masters. If you try ever, you'll find out that you give as much as you can to everything. That means that everything becomes mediocre. Your Christian life becomes mediocre. Your life as a human being becomes mediocre. It's just kind of how it works. And so think about this for a moment. In my first church uh, after seminary, first full-time church after seminary, I was overseas. My predecessor became one of my very close friends. Uh, he had just retired, but he was part of, of uh, a kind of a, a little board. The, the, uh, the Bible Society had decided that they needed to update the authorized version to a more contemporary kind of a, a Danish language, so to speak, uh, but still stay very faithful to the text. So they have had all kind of translators, and then they had this board that were reading it for theological kind of uh, uh, use of, of certain terms and words. He was on that board, and he was saying... In the letter he wrote them, he showed me, he said here, one of the mistakes you do, it seems to me, is that you're not making a clear distinction between being a child of God and being a follower of Jesus Christ. To be a child of God, absolutely nothing is required. Jesus is very clear that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. But to be a disciple of Jesus requires wholehearted commitment. It's never a question of how little can I do and still call myself a Christian. It's never Imagine this. Imagine if, if I thought that way about my spouse. Yes, just imagine this. How little can I do to express my love to her before she says, I'm out. Nobody would think like that unless there's something wrong. Right? In their minds. Yes? We just don't think like that. And that's also how it works in every single relationship, including the relationship to God. So think of it this way. Maybe that would be a way. That there should not be any doubt in a Christian's heart. Seems to be what Paul is saying here about what has priority. That's what matters. It ought to be clear to everyone. And when you're not totally sure, what is it, what is it I really give priority? I, I hope and I trust you know what the word priority means. Yes? It's actually a financial term. There's some real concrete stuff that goes with that, right? If, if you have borrowed from several lenders, 
The one who has priority, if you go bankrupt, gets his money, the others might not. That's what priority is. And so if you're not sure what your priorities truly are, in spite of what you tell yourself, just think of it this way. What goes when I'm under pressure? When things are too busy or too many things going on, whatever, what goes? Is it your time with God, your daily devotion, if so to speak? When you spend time reading God's word, learning God's will, and, and listening for God's way, or it's, it's your prayer time when, when you're, you're spending time listening to God, trying to get to a point where you can recognize high, his voice over other uh, voices. What, what is it that goes when pressure is on? Is it the worship service? That where you stand next to uh, God's people, shoulder to shoulder, and sing God's praises, listen to God's word, and express your prayer with the people. What goes when things are under pressure? There's always things that are chosen and things that are unchosen, so to speak, when it comes to that. That reveals to us how things go. Love is much the same way, friends. Love prioritizes. If you have not ever been in love, you may not know what I'm talking about. But if you ever have, you know you find time for the one you love. I think I've said that before. I have students that don't have time for anything. They're so busy, they don't have time for anything. Then they fall in love. And all of a sudden, they're several hours a day. Where did they come from, right? You hear what I'm saying with this. Love gives new energy. That's his emphasis here as, as this becomes a, a visual almost picture of what it means to give a wholehearted effort or a wholehearted commitment to Christ. Now he moves on to, to another image uh, here and he uses now an image that he used many times before, uh, an image of an athlete. And this is somewhat of a favorable image to, to Paul. People knew in the ancient world these things very clearly what, what was, what was involved right here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about running in such a way as to what? Get to the goal, right? He runs in such a way and he boxes in such a way, if you will, or hits in such a way that he's not just doing um, holes in the air, so to speak, to just kind of rephrase it in other words. There's no coincidence. And what Paul is talking about here is very clear from the Greek kind of way that it's, it's spelled out, that he's talking about professional athletes, people for whom this is what they do. This is their lives. He's not talking about kind of a, a casual, a leisure time kind of athletes like me when I work out whenever I think that would cool. I, don't, I get sore enough conscious. I haven't done it for a week. I better spend 30 minutes, you know, lifting a weight or whatever. Right? Don't look at me like I'm the only one that's like that. Right? We all like that. Right? Some of you wear a Fitbit. God forbid you ever took a step that wasn't counted. Yes? We know how that goes. That's not what Paul is talking about. Those who are actual professional athletes. And for them, there's a different way of thinking about what they do. That's a different way of looking at life. And, and that is just the same 
when someone becomes a Christian. To be a Christian is an alternative lifestyle. You become a member of a church which should have an alternative kind of approach to life and alternative commitment simply because our focus is to become more like Jesus. So when Paul uses this illustration and speaks about competing according to the rule, they all knew what he was talking about. There are two sides to that. One is the rules for training. The other one are the rules uh, for competition. The rules for training uh, were very involved. There was a required for anyone to participate in the games, which happened if the Olympic Games every fourth year, if the Isthmian Games every, every other year, uh, they happened, but for you to participate, you have to be in the training camps. Ten months of strenuous training. And there was no way out of that if you wanted to participate in the games and have a chance of standing on that podium that says you won. And so to do that, they had to change the way they thought about life. And so there were times, I'm sure, where they were tired. And they said, I I just don't want to do anymore. But that was an option. If they wanted to be part of that, I'm sure there were times when they said, I'm tired of of counting this and doing proteins and doing fat and and counting calories and, and eating that way, all that kind of stuff. Our friends came around them and said, yes, you can do it. We want you to be part of these games. There would be days that were tough. And the other players, the other participants gathered around those on the team. Those are the rules for that. The only thing that motivated was the goal. Don't lose your your view or your focus on the goal. Can you imagine a better illustration for wholeheartedness. That's what is there. And then when it comes to competition, there are certain rules. We know that, right? Athletics is not just some kind of coincidental exhibition of strength and power and speed, all that, right? If, if you are playing basketball, you can't say, well, I'm applying the rules of football to this. If it just doesn't work that way. Or if you're doing a 100-meter dash, you can't say, well, you know, I kind of like the rules for basketball better or tennis. It just doesn't work that way. There are certain rules that needs to be followed with that. Again, friends, don't lose your focus into the illustration. Paul is talking about the Christian life. So what he's saying is there are certain ways you walk with God. You look at scripture. Uh, for there, there you see how that works well. You can't make it up your own rules in a different way and still call it walk with God. Look there. Ask God. Pray to God. Be part of that. That's the wholeheartedness he is after. And then the last picture, which is somewhat completely different. He talks about how wholeheartedness brings fruit of harvest. 
I always thought about the strangeness of an illustration like that or an image like that because you had just had, you know, somewhat riveting stuff, a soldier and the danger and, the, and all the courage and all the stuff that comes with that. And then you get the illustration of, a, of, a, of, of an athlete and all the excitement and standing on podiums and having people clap as you run and, and what have you. And here's then a farmer. That's no podiums. There's no slab on the back. There, there's no kind of silver star for strong courage. It's just you looking for the fruit. That's what that's going on right here. Wholeheartedness is expressing itself as this focus on the fruit. That's what Paul is saying. He also, that he or she should be the first to get a share of the crops. You read the book of Proverbs, if you're not sure what that is, if in, in scripture is right, right there after the book of, uh, of Psalms, right, right, go to the middle of, of the Bible and right after that. And if, if you want to know about harvest, uh, just l- read through that. Or if you don't want to read through all of that, Google it. Book of Proverbs, harvest, and you will see. It's all over the place. And the emphasis is exactly on what we say here. And Paul is focusing on that. Everybody sees that right here. That those who will not see the harvest are those who are either either sleeping when they should have been harvesting. Or they are not plowing and sowing when they should have been plowing and sowing. And so harvest disappears and does not happen. Again and again. This is so clear to Paul. I want you to see and notice what's going on uh, with here. And Paul is ending his letter to Romans, a church that he had not met. He had not been there yet when he writes this. And yet he knows people there. And notice how he ends it, right? He says, greet Mary, who has worked very, very hard for you. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa who has worked hard in the Lord. And greet my dear friend Persis who has worked extra hard in the Lord. It seems as if you say, here are these people whose focus is wholehearted. They're not being sidetracked. They're not doing other things. They are focusing on their commitment to Christ. That seems to be very clear. Paul himself, of course, does not shy away to, uh, from saying, you know, I work harder than all of the others. And again, I need to highlight that he's not saying that to say I'm a better than them. I have more energy than them. I'm willing to take more pain than them. There's none of that. Not even a shred. What he's simply saying is I'm trying to imitate my master. I saw what Jesus did for me, and therefore I'm imitating him. I'm asking you all to imitate me as I'm imitating him. This is not about bragging. It is simply about him illustrating wholeheartedness. You know, he had his business on the side. He had his other things uh, doing that. Right? We know he was a tent maker or a leather worker, actually, probably more. And, and so he was still doing that. But his focus was clear. So this is Lent. 
And we're asking God to show us what wholeheartedness looks like. And that will be the challenge in your life as well. But it certainly is a challenge of all of us as a church together too. Look at these three fast-moving pictures. Right? He's not even explaining. He's just bombarding, taking that they all knew exactly what he meant. Prioritize commitment to Christ above other, all other commitments. That's the soldier right there. Focus on the goal when you're tempted to give up and, and other things seem to sidetrack you and you're following other ways than the ways of Christ. That's the athlete. Work for the harvest. When there seems to be so many other things to do. You know, the enemy is, is pretty strong. It's not just for soldiers, but for Christians, yes? You will see that happening. If it's truly God's work that we see now rising up after many years of, of arid, kind of desert-like atmosphere for Christians, if that's what we're beginning to see around the globe and even here in the United States, the enemy is going to work extra hard, yes? Maybe true in your life. Here's the antidote. Look at this. This season of 40 days is designed for that focus. I can't even envision how fantastic that if that became the heart cry from each year imagine this everybody engaged in prayer called on each other to meet in homes to pray came here for prayer whoa what could God do some of you may want to do it already now let's stand friends we're worshiping God he's looking to heart let's all stand and I'll end with this Let's ask for God to do his work in us, through us, among us. Some of you want to say, I want to be part of this church. I'm not at this moment. We want to welcome you to do that. Some of you want to say, hey, I need to just grab someone's hand, come down and pray. What could be better than that? You don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? No better time than here. If you're at home watching, thinking the same thing, you can pray at home. Call us. We'd love to pray with you also. Whatever that is. Let's give ourselves to the Lord at this moment.